This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Living out of ego gets to be pretty old at some point, and then it's time to step up out of those ego ruts and start to tell ourselves something new about who we really are. In this episode, Erin and I go back over some of those I am statements that we used to define ourselves in the first few decades of life. And we talk about how they don't really fit anymore. We start to make new I am statements about who we really are. And it's pretty encouraging to see how we can grow and change and step out of old boxes. It's encouraging to see that we can grow and change and start to become who we really are instead of who we told ourselves we were. Earlier today, I was with my toddler at Costco. It was pouring outside. I had a huge heaping cart full of groceries, as you would expect for a mother of six. And I decided I should pack my groceries into my bags because they don't do it for you anymore, COVID days, in the lobby. And one of the workers came out and very rudely told me I had no business being there and I needed to get out of the way. For a minute or two, I kept packing my groceries, and then I decided that that really wasn't helping anything. And I went and I found him, and I looked him in the eye, and I said, you really need to speak in a kinder way. Some of us are really struggling. And you know what? He looked me in the eye, and he said, okay, okay. We're always going to say the thing, right? And... I hope that me saying the thing stops that man from yelling at someone else who's just worn out and wouldn't have the courage to say something about it. We need to break out of our ego rut. That is the point of this episode is to realize that those ego I am's are sometimes unhelpful and being stuck in them is certainly unhelpful. And so we need to break on out of there. And so I wanted to read a few quotes from uh, Rohr and Beatrice Chestnut about why that's important. So Rohr says, we humans so often run up against ourselves. Instead of making a breakthrough, we're inclined to remain stuck. We need to acknowledge our blockages and prejudices and habitual ways of viewing and shaping life from an egotistical viewpoint. The Enneagram can help purify our self-perception to become unsparingly honest about ourselves. There you have it. It's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> That's right. I think um, just on your what you were saying at the beginning, I think that we we eights are well, we're, we're people pushers, right? We change, we push for change, and we we want people to be better. And I think we lose our effectiveness when we when we do it in a way that hurts someone in the process, and so they shut down to our helpfulness. And we're no longer effective. Uh, we have so much power to be effective when people are receptive to it. And if we continue to be in our ego, people shut us down. Yeah, no, if we're pushers, then the tricky thing could be we're pushing in the way we like to push. And we're not thinking about how they respond to different kinds of pushing and what the most sensitive way, yeah, the most type appropriate or human appropriate way to push someone is. So it takes a bit of study and a lot of care. And because we're pros at being us, we can sometimes skip that part 
and try and push people the way we would feel feels great. You know, I make that mistake a fair bit. I've said that before. I treat people like sparring partners because I think that's fun. Um, And meanwhile, they're kind of traumatized. (laughs) Another thing Roar says is we're destroyed by our own gifts because we identify too closely with what we do well. We cling too much to what comes our way naturally. Ego boundaries harden. Our hardened identities limit love's possibilities. It's time to disarm internally. Uh, Chew on your weaknesses. Eat them, taste them, feel them. Let yourself be humiliated by them. You will realize how many people you have used to build up and maintain your own self-image. Clue, the ones who didn't play along are probably no longer in your circle. This is why in spiritual life, your enemies are your best friends. There are certain types who are by nature threatening to us because... They discover our game or they don't need our game. Oh man, I feel that. (laughs) Uh, So Aaron and I, as we're recording, we just posted all the responses that the Tuition I Know It Instagram account ran for me. I asked a favor of the curator, Madeline. I asked her to poll her twos and find out how they perceive eights in their lives. And most of it was negative, 75%. I think it really shined a light on how we are not doing our number well as a whole. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, we're hurting a lot of people. Yeah. And our hearts inside don't match that. No. No, I think that's the difference is our behavior from the outside is hurtful, but our hearts inside we know to be warm and loving. I think that's why we're sort of shell-shocked sometimes when Mm -hmm. we see people's reactions to us, right? Because we think we're just speaking out of that place, which we are. That is our... That is our truth, right? Our, mm-hmm. our feelings and we're speaking only truth, but sometimes we harm people in that. And So going back over some of our I am's, I am honest, I am truth teller, I am stronger than you. The two's responses were, you are harsh, you are blunt, you hurt me. Wow, we really need to think about that. And so, is that our goal? Is that what we're trying to do? Because if it's not what we're trying to do, then maybe we need to look at how we are going to re do the way we do things. Yeah, I just don't see why I am honest and truth teller has to be cut away to accommodate a two when instead all we have to do is adjust the way we do truth telling and honesty. And then suddenly that becomes a gift to them. It becomes a way to love and protect people who aren't as comfortable saying or doing the thing. And so both things can be true. It's the both and again. We are truth tellers. We are honest. We are warm, loving, protective. They can all be true. So yeah. we have a lot of a lot thinking of to do. Mm-hmm. And for the record, I'm planning on uh, polling the fours and the threes oh and the sixes. And <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're no. going to maybe just like rip off the bandaid. Maybe and... we should do it slowly. Let's yeah. let people have a little bit, a few weeks to think about the twos and how they can Oh, adjust. Aaron. <laughs> You're no Let's fun. Let's have some grace here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's something to think about in this quote. Are there any people that have just disappeared out of your circle, possibly because you are so stuck in your ego that there's really no room for them? That's I, a really I good sure thing. I sure have people who yeah. have left me for that, for yeah. sure. Tell me about it. I'm not telling you about it. You can't, eh? Hey? <laughs> yep. Okay. So Beatrice Chestnut says, we lose the essential childlike ability to respond to the world as it really is and begin to become selectively sensitive to the information that supports our type's worldview. We see what we need to see in order to survive and become oblivious to the rest. 
The burden is that our habit of attention serves to keep us unconsciously in touch with the very information that supports our neurotic concerns. It's called confirmation bias. <laughs> that's what that's called. And I, I for sure do that all the time. You know, like I, I think, uh, take a look at the heroes and movies that we love most. Take a look at the characters and books we love most, who we gravitate to. They're the, the feisty fighter types, right? Usually, I have a soft spot for um, like the big rough giants who actually have mushy hearts, actually. I have definitely have a soft spot. But it's because that's how I see me. Right. So they tend to be my favorite characters. And I align with them and identify with them. But what about maybe we're supposed to look a little harder at the other characters and think about ways we can empathize with them yeah, or relate to them mm -hmm. or why, frankly, a plot requires multiple characters because the one character can't do it all <laughs> and that you need like partnership and inevitably in a plot, the main character has a blind spot and then these other characters come along to help fill in the gap. Like, man, we really, we really need to, we really need to like pay attention to that. So that's why we need to break out of our ego. And how do we do that? So you're going to hear a lot in psychology, in Enneagram language, something about the inner observer. So that inner observer is it's a neutral voice in your head that's essentially talking to you about your own responses. So the definition of an inner observer is that it's a neutral, non-judgmental aspect of ourselves that allows us to witness our thoughts, feelings, and sensations. I've heard it referred to as like, if your, your brain or your mind or your heart is one circle, it's an outside view of your inside self. You're looking at yourself from above in a way like a bird's eye view of your own and self. not judging but just being aware yeah. it's sort of awareness right? <laughs> basically it's a five <laughs> your your inner observer is a five and it's just kind of looking looking at the de data and saying hmm all right observing it and then helping you figure out what to do with it do you feel like you can do that I'm starting to yeah I think I'm just starting to as well where you start to pause you know where I started is anger because anger is such a body sensation that I started to use that as my initial awareness point. And whenever I felt it kind of flood through my body, I started to write down what had happened. So I'd write it down and then I started to gather these different observations and I started to see a theme rising up about what made me angry. And that's why I can say with confidence that it's usually when I'm misunderstood or embarrassed because I just kept, I had it there as an inner observer on paper. Mm -hmm. I, so I actually recommend doing that is think about the spontaneous emotions that come up because we are known as a not super emotional type, but we sure do have anger. And I think there is a body sensation to rejection. Also, there's a few key sensations that happen in all of us, maybe more commonly, and start to write down when they happen and think about the circumstance. And then once you've gathered a few examples, think about what it is that's triggering it. We had a couple of you say in the podcast that you uh, really don't like journaling because it brings out feelings you don't want to think about. I think that's really interesting because Joe and I both, Joe really journals. <laughs> I used to journal. I moved too fast in the day with three kids now to journal. I really need to get back to it. But if I look back at my journals, it is all my own perceptions of things. I suspect those of you that are saying 
you don't like journaling, it's because you're actually being honest. And I really encourage you to, to do what Joe is saying and to get back to go to journaling again. Let yourself be honest. Remember, the journal isn't able to reject you. <laughs> and it won't tell on you. <laughs> and it does feel weak. I totally, totally get that. Like when there's so many things that I still struggle with and weakness is my, probably my biggest thing. But when you read those words, it feels weak. But I think that is when we get stronger, because if that's so hard for us, that's where we need to build those muscles. And I really encourage you to go and try and do that journaling again. Maybe I will join you <laughs> and try and be really honest too. So the inner observer can watch you having a thought without having to act on We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are, a place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. Or even have a feeling about it. It simply watches like the lens of a movie camera, which doesn't judge or interpret the thought. So example, watch a body sensation without having an opinion about it. Bring your attention to the sensation in your body, even right now. So even while we're talking right now, you can do this thing where you scan your body and you go, okay, what am I feeling right now? But I think for eights, that's not as powerful as catching one of the stronger emotions in the moment, because that's, those are the ones that get us into trouble, yeah, frankly. Sure. Yeah. So instead of us like running with that feeling, let's actually put a pin in it and go, okay. Maybe lock yourself in your bathroom. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just like put a little note on your phone. Just just have a have a list going that says anger and then and then put a note that says, Okay, I felt angry today when blah 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 blah. And then just hope nobody finds your phone and reads it. <laughs> but sadness is another one to actually pay attention to because we don't sit in it a lot. So mine were sadness, anger, embarrassment. Oh, I had a few going. I'll have to go look back again. But they were basically emotions that I, I hate feeling, yeah. that I really don't like feeling. So you're repelling them? Yeah. That's what the anger in. Yeah. And I'm not dealing, and that's why they're so strong. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that are so strong because I haven't, one of you wrote, um, it's about acclimatizing. And I think that's true, is if you don't sit in it and uh, inner observer it, it is so profoundly powerful. Whereas if you start to really stare at it and sit in it, it loses its power. Like anything, it right? It's like watching um, graphic things. You start to become desensitized well. Well, and I don't know about any of you, but even the crying piece, right? Like I can feel really stressed and angry for so long. Uh, this happened to me last week at the hospital. I was so angry and frustrated with them not being able to help me that I went in the bathroom, closed the stall burst into tears, got myself together and went back out in the waiting room like nothing had happened. But I felt 100% better having let myself cry <laughs> in frustration, right? And I think we do need to sit in it sometimes and we do need to give ourselves permission. And it's interesting. So this part of the quote, listen, it says, it doesn't attach a story to the emotion. We do this thing where we tell ourselves a narrative about the emotion we're feeling. Like if we feel sadness, we say, oh, stop, that feels weak. Right. And so what ends up happening now is like you, I've started to sit in sadness. And now the narrative is, oh, I feel human. This sadness, I feel like a little girl and like I'm making up for lost time with these tears. Like these are tears I, I wish I could have shed 
ages ago. And so now that they're coming, I'm just going to let them come because they're overdue. And I think they're going to help catch me up into womanhood. I also think growing is giving ourselves permission, Mm -hmm. permission to be sad because it feels weak and permission to cry. I think another reason we need to break out is we're sort of walking solo through humanity. And I think we need to join humanity again. Absolutely. So now that we've talked about why we should break out of ego and how we do that by cultivating that inner observer, we can go back and look at some of those I am statements that Aaron and I shared, and you're going to have your own. Maybe do that. Maybe go and write out a list of those I am statements. And we can think through how our narrative has changed since doing some of this work. And a lot of this we have discussed here and there on various episodes, but it's pretty encouraging, actually, to see how we have changed that inner narrative about some of these ego points. So, for example, I am strong. But I'm also weak. Yeah. Yeah, It's okay to be weak. So we haven't talked about this much, but we will uh, next season when we start looking type by type. My husband's a nine. And a huge point of division between us, a barrier that I I feel like I threw up between us is I was mistaking his nine ways as weak. The narrative in my head was I'm strong. He is weak. If I didn't get this thing done, no one would get it done. If I didn't say the thing, no one would say the thing. And needless to say, that's super damaging to a relationship. And so doing a little bit of this thinking and redefining of what strength is and what weak is, I began to see that his quiet, grounded, steady, choosing not to say the thing was maybe a kind of strength that I needed to cultivate. And I very much believe, and he would agree, that I needed to do some pushing on him because my strengths also were something he needed to start practicing. But I also needed to look at his qualities and think about the ways I needed to do some redefining. To all of our eights, we really need to hear from you because this space is about building eight language from the inside. Let's set the record straight about what it's really like to be us. To all our non-eights, we need to hear from you just as much because you're on the outside looking in. What do you see? Let us have it. We can handle the pushback. Join our community by subscribing to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Leave us a rating and review. Follow us over on Instagram at the Enneagram 8 Podcast and tell everyone you know. Invite fellow eights into this community so they feel seen and heard and invite the people who love you or don't to listen in and learn a thing or two. We want to fill this space with voices, so why don't you go ahead and add yours? I think nines are the most helpful to us. I think they slow us down. I've been uh, trying to matchmake a bunch of you. <laughs> they're, they're like, how about dating? I'm like, find a nine. <laughs> yeah, my friend Sarah, same thing, right? Like, I, I think I probably felt like she was weaker than me in the early days of our friendship. But as she pushed back on me, and I'm so proud of her for doing that, because um, we're not easy to push back on at times, uh, she just opened my mindset on a lot of different things. And I think it's so valuable, and I feel like a better human for having those my views challenged, and then some of them I changed. So they're a really good example also of how to do it in a way that's received well. Mm -hmm. It's like a magic they have. I'm not sure I'll ever learn. You know what they do? 
they ask you questions. They Maybe. don't tell you anything. They yeah. said, well, why do you think that? Because mm-hmm. this is what Sarah does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when did you hear that? And where did you read that? And tell me more about this. And then the more we talk, the, then we start to hear ourselves and right. realize, oh, I don't know everything about this. Even mm-hmm. though I think I know everything about this. I think I'd sum up his strength as being able to hold all people. Yes. In some way, yes. they just oh have space goodness. for all people. So much space. That's a real superpower. There's no denying. Yep. Yeah. So much space for right? people. Just as our and superpower is that ability to push hard in a specific way and to hold a specific thing really deeply and, and strongly, theirs seems to be to hold, to hold everything yeah. in a more Maybe mild a little more way. Light, light, lightly, yes, I was more say, lightly. Yeah. And so not one of those is better than the other. But not one of them is stronger than the other either. So we've definitely changed our ego I am on that a fair bit. I feel alone, but I'm not. So I had to do a lot of thinking, and I had a little help with this, about the difference between my strong value on independence and autonomy with what humanity needs, which is interdependence. Um, So interdependence isn't about stealing freedom from someone else. It isn't about you giving up your all your freedom for someone else. It's about making room for everybody. So I've done a lot of thinking and practicing on letting myself be more interdependent with people where I actually let them help me. And it's hard, right? And I let them say, no, I don't want your help (laughs) as well. So anyway, it's just a lot more. Doesn't it feel hard though? It is very hard. hard. Yeah. I'm starting to do the same thing. It feels weak. Mm -hmm. It does. It's not weak. And if we, we connect by helping others, why can't they connect to us that way? That's right. Agreed. Yes. If we put such a high value on help, why would we want to steal their chance to help us? Right. This one makes me feel kind of yucky. I know. Just even reading it. (laughs) Yes. The I don't need you. I've learned that some of you find me like a little more intense and maybe even more mushy than than other eights. (laughs) So when I put things in like a a particularly four-ish way, just have have a little grace. (laughs) I represent a kind of eight, okay? (laughs) There is room for me interdependence. All eight Mm. types and varieties need to be interdependent with one another. (laughs) So, okay. So, so speaking for myself, I can say that I can now admit that I do very much need other people, not everybody, but there are specific people that I've had to practice just admitting I need. So there's a friend of mine, she's actually two. And I remember practicing and it was very uncomfortable telling her, I really need you. You bring something to my life that I don't get anywhere else. And I named it. I named the various things she brought. And I just said, I think I haven't let you know that as much as I wish I had. I think I've been playing cool. Like, you know, I could take you or leave you. But the truth is, I think I'm a better human because you're my friend. So do we do that playing cool, though, because it's our fear of losing people? I wouldn't say that. I just know it feels weak. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I go deeper, that would be what it is. I just know my body was almost recoiling as I was doing it. I think it's that I'm worried she'll think I'm being weak when so I admit it. can you tell me the same thing and feel Remember I practiced? Different? Do you remember how I practiced? Last week, <laughs> I got in touch and I said, I think 
I do this thing where I mistakenly treat you like you don't need it or whatever. And I don't tell you how much I appreciate you. So <laughs> I really yes, appreciate you. you. And then I felt really weird. Exactly. Because it's kind of uncomfortable. That's right. It. That's yes. right. But I think, um, I think two eights could go through life and they could like do life together and never once say, you know what? I really love you. Or I really need you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right. I think part of that, though, is I think I assume, you know, because in my gut, I feel the feelings from other, right? So I had a Severn friend, same thing. She has a hard time also with vulnerability. And so she said, I love you. For It's cute. She she said a friendship, I love you, <laughs> for the first time. And, uh, and I said, trust me, I know in my gut that you love me, but I love to hear it. That's the truth is I love to hear it. So I don't think it's weak. So someone says it to me, I don't think it's weak. But do you feel a little bit uncomfortable, like how to respond? Because I do, for sure. When people say things to me that is almost like gushing, I feel like I need to turn the table and be like, it's not just me. Like Mm -hmm. I always go on, you know, when people tell me I do a great job in the role I play at the school, I always go on to say, it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's the group of people I'm working with, right? We're a team. We all do it. I don't like feeling like I'm taking the spotlight. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I do too. We talked about not being able to receive compliments yeah. very well. Yeah, that's I'm not it. sure. We'll have to do a bit of digging into why that is, yeah. but it is true. No, it is hard. I, I am comfortable receiving love though. Receiving love is different than compliments though. I think compliments feel a little so bit So if they stop that I love you, it would be fine. But if they go, I love you because, and then they start listing yeah. a bunch of reasons, yeah. then I get squirmy. Or if you just said, I really love our friend. I really love our friendship. Mm-hmm. I appreciate, I just mm-hmm. appreciate you being in my life. Right? Like that to me is so powerful. And yeah, 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 yeah. Makes me feel like and I, I did stop there. Purpose. I did. I didn't give you a long list. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I just said the thing. But it's true. So anyway, what is up with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm honest, and I'm safe. Yeah. <laughs> I see me for me. So I can be honest about my vulnerability. I can be honest about the way I feel about things. And I am safe to think that I am valuable. Yeah, for sure. You know, I hadn't even thought about it from that angle. I was going to tackle that as I can be honest with you, but I can do it in a way that makes you feel safe. But you're right. We do also have to deal with the honesty about ourselves. I'm still it's the denial that. piece. I do. The, the denial piece is still really big for me. Uh, there's stuff there. I don't know why. I need to dig deeper in that and I'm procrastinating mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Point is you've started to think about it. Yeah. Right? You know, wouldn't I'm have even... to see where I need to dig and yeah. it's a little bit uncomfortable. So take, take a bit of time. Stuff. Yeah, Not for like sure. Who dives in so she can get oh, beat up I in really the process. Oh, I really do. <laughs> it's weird. I kind of like being all Do bruised. you know what though? <laughs> I think that... So when I was sick five, six years ago now, I remember the dentist saying to me, we have all these things to tackle in your mouth. And I was like, you know what? I'm already a disaster. Go for it. Wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. We're not gentle with our bodies. And I think we need to be, again, I am safe. We need to be safe with ourselves. And mm-hmm. we need to be, we don't need to tackle everything to get beat up. For me, it's just efficient. It was efficient. Like I'm already in the crap. Just bring the crap. So when all the crap's over, it's all over. And I don't have to, it ended up making everything a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Um, which right now I'm learning, we need to slow it down. Well, you protected me only a few months ago where you stopped me from jumping into a situation that would have probably broken me down mm-hmm. because I thought I could take it. I thought it was my job to do that. And you were the one that reminded me, no, actually, actually, you need to just sit this one out. 
why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we think we're not valuable? If you dig really deep, because this is the stuff I'm avoiding digging into, I'll be brutally honest. It is, what is my value to me? Yeah, we're trying to protect the actual truth, which is we don't feel valuable. So we project out into the world that we're incredibly valuable and that... And if someone said that on a podcast a year or two ago, I would have laughed. Mm -hmm. Some of you might be laughing right now. Mm -hmm. Get ready. No, to admit that you actually maybe inside do feel like a little girl curled in a ball. It's it's a really icky feeling. Yeah, icky is the right word. What's another one? I'm not like you. I am actually learning a little bit from Dak Shepard. Yeah. I keep talking about him. <laughs> Your second husband. Um, so I noticed yeah. <laughs> one of the f- things that he loves to do is find the ways he is the same as somebody. He immediately finds all the ways that there's commonality between him and another guest. And you can tell he's just giddy about it. <laughs> That's the way he feels connection. I can relate to that and I need to just sit in it more where I focus especially on the people that I don't get along with, focus on the ways we're similar and try and like warm up to it. I've done it before. I remember when I was in my 20s, there was this woman I found very irritating. She was like cloying and kind of sickly, sweet maybe. To me, she seemed very awkward, weak, not, not a tough person just. And I remember deliberately going, you know what, I need to fix this. This is ugly. Inside, I feel really ugly when she's around because the truth is she's, she's a lovely person. And so I learned that she liked to write. She, she is an aspiring writer and she had a book she was working on. And so I made it a point to ask her about her book. I made it a point to encourage her and applaud her, even though the book subject was cringy. (laughs) 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 And as I started to relate to her as a fellow writer, I just, my heart melted. I just began to think, you know what? I can get behind this. Like we, we at least have that in common and it softens you. It helps take the edge off your judgment. I actually think I do it, but I do it in a way when I'm trying to find connection and it's usually not with the people that are close to me. It's usually if I'm involved like in the school and I want to engage our council, I, and someone's talking to me and I want to figure out their values, (laughs) figure out their strengths. I don't know that I do it so well with the people I'm close to. It's mostly strangers Mm -hmm. trying to, once I feel a connection, I don't feel the need to do that anymore, which is probably not great. (laughs) So many things to think about. (laughs) I'll write down all these things, these growth points. Because Joe's a writer. Yeah. Just like the other lady. Indeed. (laughs) Her friend. So that I know what I know because I know. (laughs) Maybe we should test that. Just get my friend Sarah over. She's great. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should test it. Yeah. Before we make statements about what's true, maybe we should maybe sit with them for a little while. Maybe ask other people, does this sound true? (laughs) Ask yourself. Yeah. Just ask yourself the questions. Mm -hmm. Why do you know this is true? Dig a little deeper. I don't know about all of you, but I skim stuff and make a quick judgment on things. I don't take time to dig in deeper. Which again is a superpower when it's applied well. Yeah. That quick, decisive thing. Yep, for sure. But sometimes I miss stuff Mm -hmm. and sometimes I don't get the whole story. Yeah. And remember, other humans need to be given a guarantee or they need more data to feel safe. And so your gut knowing is just never going to be enough. So you have to find a way to give them the gift of your knowledge in a way that they'll accept 
And sometimes that takes doing a few more steps, which feels like we're condescending to do it, or it feels like we're too impatient to do that. So but I will say, though, I think the more practice we make, the less icky it feels. Do you think? Yes, absolutely. So All these icky things get that better. I do, that I can't task yet that is feels yicky, but the stuff that I have, I have to say, is that used to feel icky. That's a really big word for our podcast. <laughs> icky. But you all know what we mean. I know you do. It's not so icky anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, that feeling is a body feeling. Mm -hmm. It really is. And so we do have to pay attention to them. But those things can change. They're not stuck in cement. We can actually learn to absorb that feeling or at least sit with the feeling long enough that it doesn't have any power over us anymore. Yep. Yeah, I think sometimes it is a superpower, right? When we get us out of situations and there are people that are dangerous to yep. us. So icky is good in those icky situations. Icky is good, yeah. but we need to evaluate those a little more carefully. Absolutely. Yeah. Ask more questions yeah. is a theme that keeps cropping up. We need to ask more questions. Two is a hard one for us. We saw it. They're, they, we clearly are a hard one for them. Maybe we need to ask more questions. Why? I, Why are they I hard? Think yeah. And I think we need to start to understand them better. Well, I know it's our growth point. And our growth point is the hardest point to reach. It, whereas going backwards into five is like a free fall, it's an easy thing. Going to two is like clawing your way towards it. It's something that takes more effort in the literature. And so there's something about it that's supposed to be hard. Like I think as for you, getting to two required a major trial. You had to fall out of health and you had to deal with trauma to hit two. So it wasn't any easier for you. It just came about differently. For those of us who, who try to get to two just through intentionality and through effort and growth by becoming self-aware, it feels like work. Mm -hmm. And so I think becoming comfortable and understanding about two-ishness is work. So it's reasonable to, to think it's work. Yeah. So let's have a little grace for ourselves. But not give up the work but don't give up no. and don't get stuck in your I am's like I feel like one of our I am's is I am anti-two or I am <laughs> not a fan you. of twos <laughs> yeah or I am stronger than twos or and, and you know what might be a really good journaling exercise for all of you who love to journal or don't is to write down what we think strength is I think that'd be a great place to start mm -hmm. and then as we go through growing and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone to start recognizing other people and start learning more about twos and other numbers start going back to that definition of what is my what do I value as strength mm -hmm. and start seeing if some of that changes because I know mine I, I'm not there yet let, let me be clear <laughs> but a lot of my definition of strength is different than it would have been a year ago yeah absolutely yeah I think we'll stop there you get the point we are just trying to give some evidence of how your I am narratives can actually shift and change and you can in a sense it's like uh it's like being stuck in the grooves of a cross-country trail or something you can actually step out of the grooves and it feels great to suddenly there's more freedom in that if you think about it we're so into freedom well why would you then want to be stuck in your eight rut you'd want to step up out of the rut and that comes by using your inner observer to name your i am narratives your ego and then see if you can do something about it. We like doing stuff about it. There's a <laughs> challenge. Write down your I am yeah. statements. Hashtag challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Define your ego. Make a whole bunch of I am statements about your ego. And then maybe just pick one. And just, just watch it. Just, just watch just, it. Stare yeah, at it. That inner observer thing is mm -hmm. really helpful. You know what? We'll join you. Yeah. Well, I, I have already. <laughs> yes, now. we are. I'm... But I'm trying to join the team here. <laughs> yeah. 
No, I, I have to keep going because the truth is I still compulsively fall back into anger, back into that rejection feeling and whatnot. So I have to keep paying attention. Sometimes it's not easy to get out from where you are in that anger or that sadness or even when you're aware. Like there are times right now where I can be in, in anger and I can see myself and I know exactly what's going on and that I should stop or I should take this from a different perspective. And, and I don't, right? And I think that's still part of the work is just keep, keep going. You want to know what my next step is? No. Like, this is hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you uh, my next step is to let people in on this work. So how vulnerable is that? So mm -hmm. I've already started doing the icky work of writing down my own observations about my emotions that come up. And now I'm going to try and bring them to my husband or bring them to some of my friends and say, hey, do you see this crop up for me? Like, what situations do you see me react to? What am I being reactive to? What do you think's going on there? And it's a scary thing to ask. It really is. But that's phase two for me. Yeah, it, I'm going to be inviting other people in to speak into my ego. Ugh. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, that would be you. rough. I'll report Maybe back. Maybe I'll join you at some point, but... Oh. <laughs> Baby you steps, let me right? You know how that goes. Yeah. Baby <laughs> steps. Well, truth is, I'm inviting you to do it, too. Yes. I'm not sure eights are eights. good at seeing eights, maybe. We've talked about this I before. I think that you and I have too long of a history. And I have. I think that you don't give yourself enough grace. And so I push you in that area. And also, so I have a hard time. I need an ally. I kind of love that you're not someone that you actually don't push back on me. You more are like, I get you. Yeah. I get you. And there's something actually about that that I love, that you're not a place that's going to be. If anything, I'm pushing you to be more gentle on you. Yes. <laughs> not grow. Exactly. Gentle, so I, I actually don't change that. <laughs> I'll go to other people for that. There you go. I kind of need you to just I will stay. not be successful in that way, so don't worry. <laughs> yeah. No, I need you for that. So how about we kick our ego in the ass? <laughs> that's, our, um, that's our challenge to, to you. you, to us. Yeah, we will join you. We're, we're never saying these things from a level where we think we are in a position. Oh, I think we we've made more. it pretty clear <laughs> that we're still very much stuck. <laughs> we, we have like real live moments <laughs> in, <laughs> over the mic where so we're like, true. ooh. Do we edit that? We're no. very much still in that. So we're being authentic people. Yeah, we're in it with you for sure. Anyway, we, we love to hear your response to this episode. Definitely give us your feedback. We love to hear it. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon enough. Our next episodes are probably going to be spaced out two weeks at a time, just because we are mothers. We've got a lot of kiddos. So now that we've gotten a, a good bundle of episodes out for you, we're going to start to slow the pace down and maybe put a little more TLC and care into each episode, getting our resources together and whatnot. So you'll hear our next episode in two weeks. Take care. See ya. I am Amanda, decisive, truth teller, loyal friend, relationship seeker. I am Stacy, my father's daughter. I will exhort you. I will go deep enough to make you a little uncomfortable, and I will lend you my strength until you're strong enough. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. Oh,